Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Today, we finish out on week four of a series called How Are You Managing? How are you managing? Has this uh, series been a blessing to your life? Has it challenged you? Have you made any changes? Less claps for that last one. And it's one thing to hear the word. It's another thing to apply the word. And, and I do hope that you apply some of these principles that we've been talking about. And for those who are just joining us today, I always feel the need to say, whenever I preach on finances, you can relax. We are not trying to raise an offering. I know that typically, whenever you sit in a church service and the preacher is preaching about money, you think he's going to ask for an offering. And I don't know what your church experience has been, but I can tell you that uh, in this series, at this time, that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to ask you for anything. In fact, we're just trying to give you something. We're trying to give you some principles. We're trying to give you some tools. And I'll give you a quick recap, series recap in our last episode. In week one, we spoke about this word called stewardship. Someone say stewardship. And it's the idea that everything we have, all of the money, all of the, all of the property, all of the assets, all of the people that God has given us, they all came from him. And so we have a responsibility to take care of the things that he gave us. That's called management. That's called stewarding. We have a responsibility. In week two, we talked about the word margin. Somebody say margin. And now we were talking about spending less. We need some space between our income and our expenses. And we taught you how to no longer live paycheck to paycheck. You got to have some space for the unexpected things. You got to have some space for the unexpected problems and unexpected opportunities. And to make it really doable for you, we also gave you this amazing resource called Ramsey Plus Financial Peace University, which is on the screen behind me. One last time, if you want to grab it, you can scan the QR code that is on the screen behind me, behind me. And if that, that that's not it. And if you don't have the QR code with the little scanny thing, then it will be at the table. By, there we go. It's right there. Love you, production team. And so that QR code, you can take your phone out, you can take a picture of it, and you'll have a year's worth of access to a 12-week course on how to really get in the weeds of your finances. And it'll also give you a budgeting app which is something you also have to pay for that is also free for the first three months for you. And so, I mean, we did everything possible. It was a big investment on our end here at the church, but we just, we want to really see you be transformed. How many people have already downloaded Ramsey Plus? Amen. How many people have already started? A lot less hands and downloaded. All right, you got to start, you got to start it. You got to start it. If you haven't started it yet, start it on Monday. Put it on the calendar. Make it your date night. If you're single, make it your date night. You and Dave, you <laughs> on a date and, uh, and just get to work. I promise you, God will bless your life. And, and then last week, we talked of week three, we had the word called faithful. Somebody say faithful. My subtitle was how to increase your income. And we talked about the way that you can make more money is simply by being faithful with the thing that God has put in your hand right now. Whether it is being a hairstylist, a, tar- a tattoo artist, a singer, a musician, a graphic designer, a teacher, a police officer, a lawyer, an architect, or a contractor. That if you invest in your craft, if you invest in your trade, your trade or your craft will bear fruit in your life. And uh, I know a lot of people took that home and, and really ran with it. Today, I want to wrap it all up. 
I want to put it all together. I'm going to assume that you've already started tithing. Then I'm going to assume that your expenses are in order and now your, incre- your income is increasing. Here's the question that week four answers. Are you ready? This is for some of us already and this will be for some of us later. Here is the question week four is already answering. What will you do once you start to be blessed? What will you do once your income has increased? What will you do once there's overflow? What will you do now that you're not living paycheck to paycheck and you actually have margin and you actually have space and you're not as stressed? What will you do? What kind of life will you live when God has multiplied your finances? I'm declaring it right now. If you put these principles into practice, it will happen. Hear me. And you need to decide before you get the money the kind of person you're going to be when the money comes or the money will change the kind of person you are. You got to decide now. When God blesses me, I'm going to be this kind of person. When God multiplies me, I'm going to be this kind of person, which is why the title of today's message is, How Are You Managing Multiplication? How are you managing multiplication? Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What had happened was, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, just got beheaded. He died, got his head cut off. Jesus is sad. Jesus was a human. He was sad that his cousin died, but he was also sad because his cousin's death was reminding him as a foreshadow of the kind of death that he would have. So now he's thinking about his cousin dying, and like death often does, we start thinking about our death, and Jesus just needs time to process. He needs time to mourn. He needs time to meditate but he doesn't get it. He went off to go get that time, but look at what happens in verse 13, 14. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And so they heard that he was going to that side, and this is a cool visual. They actually ran along the shore and beat him to the destination. So he thought he was leaving the people, and when he got there, the people were there waiting for him. And look at Jesus' response. And when he saw the large crowd when he landed, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Awesome for the people. They beat Jesus. They got front row seats. Sucks for Jesus. Jesus didn't get any time by himself. He didn't get any alone time. He didn't get to process the death of a loved one. He didn't get to mourn. And already I'm preaching. Already the message is being delivered to you because we are seeing in Jesus' life one of the core principles of what I'm trying to communicate to you today, and that is this, that is bigger than me. Jesus is getting there. He's tired. He's getting there. He got needs, but he sees people who have needs, and he says, I'm going to put my needs to the side because it's not about me. That's crazy because it is about Jesus. We sing songs about, it's all about you. Like we, it is all about Jesus. But Jesus himself says, you know what though? The reason I am Jesus and what makes me so me is that I make it about others. And you got to decide that you're going to live the kind of life, listen, that makes it about other people. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. God, the Walmarts are about to close. They need to eat. Really, I think the disciples were hungry themselves. You ever like present something to your family, like if it was for them, but it's low-key for you? Like you're hungry, you don't want to get up to get something to eat, and you look at your, your friend and you're like, are you hungry? You will get some? Can you give me something to do? <laughs> that's why I think that's what the disciples were doing. We hungry. You should send them home. And uh, I love Jesus' response, verse 16 and 17. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. We can't do that. That's impossible to feed so many people, thousands of people, with five loaves of bread and two fish. Listen to me. Don't be surprised when God asks you to do something that you can't do. Don't be surprised. Why? It's his MO. He's got a plan. Look at the next verse. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. Whenever God asks you to do something you can't, it's because he's trying to bring you closer to someone who can. The impossible is an invitation to connect to the one who does impossible things. Verse 19 and 21, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He blessed them and broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them back to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Someone say satisfied. That's so good. That's a word that's satisfying to say. Satisfied. It never ends. You don't say the D. You exhale it. And I'm just having fun. I don't need you to laugh. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men, not even including women and children. I got to be honest, this entire series, I've had a secret ulterior motive. And no, it is not to raise an offering. My secret ulterior motive is this. I told you when we began this series that I wanted you to be free. But the truth is, I don't just want you to be free. I want you to overflow. When this series started, I told you I wanted to teach you how to manage your money. The truth is, I want to teach you how to multiply your money. And here is why. Because in this story, we are the disciples. Our family, our friends, our classmates, our co-workers, and our city is the crowd. And they're hungry. They're spiritually and physically hungry. And Jesus is looking at you and at me. And you know what he's saying? You feed them. You feed them. It is a fundamental shift in what church is, y'all. Church, I think people think church is something that we come to and consume from. If you're just starting to come to church, I want you to know that's cool. You can come and consume all you want. We, we, we're here to give and give and give. Take what you need. But at some point, you got to transition and evolve, okay, from coming to church into being the church. And understand that that was always the end game. We just had a team conference yesterday, and all we did all day was talk about you, how we could feed you, how we could serve you, how we can help you. Because everybody who showed up at that conference understands this, and this is what you need to understand about church. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. You got to go from I attend church to I am church. I don't just attend church. I am church. You know, of all of the miracles in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, only one miracle is recorded in each Gospel. Did you know that? Every Gospel has different miracles. There's only one miracle that is in all four accounts of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, and that's this one. Why? So that the disciples will never forget that the purpose of the miracle is the mission. 
Don't ever forget James, John, Peter, Bartholomew. Yeah, he's in there. You forget about him, but he's there. We don't exist for us. God called us to feed people. James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, the religion which is holy and free from evil, and I love that because it acknowledges that some religions, some forms of religion are evil, that there is a religion that oppresses, and there is a religion that hates, and there is a religion that is selfish, and there is a religion that is spiteful, and there is a religion that breeds division, but that is not the religion that Jesus preaches. This is the kind of religion Jesus preaches. Verse 27, put it on the screen, to take care of children who have no fathers, and of the widows who are in trouble, and to keep one unself touched by the world, untouched by the world. He's saying it's our job to influence culture, not just always be influenced by culture. We got to be the ones to help. This is how it worked, y'all. Jesus multiplied the bread. Look at the miracle, but the disciples delivered it. He multiplied it, but the disciples delivered it. Y'all missed it. This was the OG original plan, Uber Eats. God made it. The disciples delivered it. These are the DoorDash disciples. These are the Pentecostal Postmates. They, now, and when you get food from one of your food delivery services and it arrives at your house, you never give glory to the delivery person. You don't eat that and be like, mm, Bill was on point today. Five stars, 22% tip. No, you should tip, but who gets the glory? The chef. Who gets the glory? The restaurant. God made it. Amen. Somebody say amen. But without the delivery person, that food does not get to your door. Glory to the chef. Glory to the multiplier. Glory to the maker. But we still need a deliverer. Yeah, that's right. Come on. I'll put it like this. You need to write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus is the provider, but the church is the provision. He makes mercy, he makes grace, he makes blessing, he makes all of that. But without us, we, the world does not have hands and feet to bring it to their door. We need to be that, which is why the word for this week, we got a word every week, faithful, stewardship, man, uh, margin. This is the word for this week, generosity. Generosity, why? Because God doesn't give to you, he gives through you. Some of y'all are stuck at a level of income, stuck at a level of financial blessing because God knows that if he blesses you, it will end with you. He knows that he cannot trust you with an abundance because you will hoard it. But if he knows that you will give it, he will give you more. I didn't say that. The Bible did. Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. How many people want to multiply financially? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're already rich. Let me know, because we need help here at the church, all right? Your hand better be raised, every hand, because I want, I want, I'm not glad, bless me, bless me, Lord, bless me. I would love to be blessed financially. I would love to multiply. There are two ways to multiply, hear me. You can multiply like a parasite, or you can multiply like produce. You know how a parasite multiplies? It feeds off its host. It takes and it takes and it takes and it takes and it multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies. But once the host has run out, the parasite dies too. It multiplies, but its multiplication is short-lived. It's not eternal. It doesn't last. You know how produce multiplies? 
Let me give you an example. Did you know that the state that produces the most apples, 70% of the United States apple consumption comes from the production happening in Washington state, 70%. A lot of apples, more apples than any other state in the entire country, which is very strange because you know why state has the most bears than any other state in the country? Washington, bears, roar, bears. <laughs> Washington state. Why is that funny to me? Why is that interesting to me? Because bears eat apples. So how is it that the state with the most bears that eat the apples also has the most apples? That shouldn't be. They should eat all the apples and they should be, apples should be extinct because all the bears. But that's not how it works. The, the, the tree, because the tree lives to give. The tree gives its fruit, the apple takes with the fruit that the, that the tree gives, eats the apple, digests the apple, everything digests in the bear's belly. That's fun to say. Bear's belly. Except one thing. The seed. The seed makes it all the way through the bear's belly. And comes out. But doesn't just come out. Because when it hits the ground, it also comes out with some stuff. When that seed comes out, it already comes out pre-fertilized. And now what should have been taking actually turned into multiplication. Why? Some, because sometimes giving feels like others are taking. Sometimes giving feels like you're losing. Sometimes giving feels like sh shaking. Not, not nothing else. I was trying to say that word the whole time. But when you give, you multiply. You can hold, you can hoard, you can take it all. But if you say, here you go, here you go, one day, I'm telling you, God will continue to expand. God will continue to grow. That is what the Bible is saying. When you give, you multiply. Your seed becomes more trees that produces more fruit for more people. And so I want you to be generous. And so in order to do that, we got to take some shifts. Somebody say shift. We got to do a couple shifts. Here's the first shift. We got to shift from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. From a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. Proverbs 11:24 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Generous people see the world as one that has enough resources. It's, it's more than enough. I've got more than enough. But the stingy people, no matter how much they have, always think it's never enough. We're going to run out. There's not enough for me or my family. Jesus told the disciples, you feed them. You know what the disciples said back to Jesus? Put it on the screen, 14, 17. They said, we have we have. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. That's what we're going to eat. For us. I don't know what they're going to do, but I, you ever go out to lunch with your coworkers and they're like, where are we going to lunch? And you're like, I don't know where y'all at, but I got, you've never been so proud of Tupperware in your life. You're like, I got this. You guys can do. We got this for us. There's not enough. If I give to them, Lord, there won't be enough for me. Um, my wife will sometimes bake cookies for the family. Whenever she bakes cookies, she only bakes eight. She only bakes eight because two of us are on a diet, us, and the other two, we can't give them so much sugar or else they won't go to sleep. 
So they get two, we get, everybody gets two, so that's eight. The problem is when she serves it to our family, she serves it on one plate. So you got eight cookies, one plate, eight hands. And every once in a while, somebody's watching TV, not paying attention, and they take three cookies. Someone does that every once in a while. Take three cookies. And, when, and then there's that other person who, who, who only had one cookie that goes and reaches out to the plate and is like, who had three cookies? It's two, 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 two. Who took three? It's two per. Two per. I want my cookie. And we'll start pointing at each other and arguing with each other. You think we'll hate each other over some cookies. Until my wife gets up and goes, hey, I'll just make more cookies. There's more dough where that came from. There's more dough where that came from. Whenever you give dough, you got to remember there's more dough where that came from. What if they run out in the fridge? We got a grocery store. It's all good. There's more where that came from. Somebody say there's more where that came from. This will affect you, not even just in your finances, but even in recognition. You want to know why you get tight when someone else's family photo got more hearts than yours? Because in some twisted way, them winning means you losing. Because there's only eight cookies. And so if they took three, there's less for you. There's more love where that came from. When your business, when someone else's business does good, that doesn't mean your business is doing bad. There's more business where that came from. You know, when churches start in Orlando, we don't send spies. Did you hear about that church on the street? Go, go check it out. See what they're doing. See what they're preaching. Check out the lobby. Blow up the toilet. And then leave a review. <laughs> we, don't send, we don't send spies. When other churches start in Orlando, we send thousands of dollars. So they can buy equipment, buy chairs, buy speakers, so they can minister to kids, and they can do outreach. Why? Because there's millions of people who live in Orlando. I don't care how big this church gets. There's more where that came from. We need more churches. I'm not a scarcity type pastor. There's a ton of lost people. We good. We good. We're not going to run out of broken people. Don't live with a scarcity mentality. Here's the next shift you got to make. Shift from looking at what's being taken from your hands to taking a look at God's hands. Look what he's asking for. Look what he's giving. Look what he's asking me for. Look at verse 19. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Now pay attention. He gave the bread to the disciples. The disciples gave the bread to the people. That means that there were times. So, so I go to Jesus. I get the food. I got bread in my hands. I go to the people. I give the food. Now I got what? Empty hands. There are times when we walk with Jesus. Oof, I feel this. There are times when we walk with Jesus and in our walk with Jesus, we will sometimes have empty hands. I've been there, but there is never a time in your walk with Jesus where Jesus does not have full hands. Every time they came back to the basket, Jesus was like, are you seeing it? That's my testimony. There were times in my life when I had empty hands, but there was never a time 
when Jesus had nothing but full hands. You got to stop looking at what you have, so looking at what he has. Chris, will you help me out here real quick? This is Chris the cameraman. Everybody give it up for Chris the cameraman. Hey, Chris. Appreciate you, bro. Chris, before this service started, I gave you a coin. Right there. I gave you that coin. Why don't you just hold on to that coin? Hold on to that coin. Just grip that coin. Okay. Now, everybody, we're going to do an illustration here. And East Campus, you're going to lose me for a little bit because I'm going to ask that the, product, the production people just, just put Chris's camera on there because you need to see this illustration from Chris's perspective in order to get it. So right now, the camera is on Chris's perspective. And that's all that Chris's, Chris sees. All right, Chris, I need you to do me a favor, man. Give me that coin. Come on, Chris. Chris, I, I gave you that coin. You, you didn't even have a coin before I gave it to you. Come on, Chris, give me that coin. Chris, it's not even your coin. You wouldn't have had a coin if it wasn't for me. I'm not asking you for something that's yours. I'm asking you to give back something that's mine. Give me that coin. The reason why Chris won't give the coin is because all he can see is what is in his hand. Chris, take a look at what's in my hand. Okay, now let's try this one more time. Chris, give me the coin. There you go. And now that you gave it, Chris, give me those coins. Uh-huh, and give me those coins. This is how it works. I'll give it to you, you give it to them. I'll give it to you, you give it to them. I'll give it to you, you give it to them. If I know that you'll give it, I'll give it. Press down, shake you together, and run it over so that your friends and your family and your loved ones and your neighbor and your coworker and your classmates and strangers and the homeless, everyone can feed off of what I give. Come on, give God some praise. He never runs out. But you got to stop holding on. Stop staring at what you got. Look at what he got. This is my testimony. I've been in debt to pursue an education degree to become a minister that I knew would not make a salary for me to pay that back, but his hands were always full. I've been on food stamps and medical state, health care, and I couldn't to disciple a group of young people in Gainesville for four years, but his hands were always full. I've driven four hours to preach two hours and not even get enough money to pay the tolls or gas on the way back home, but his hands were always full. By now, you've heard this story three times, but we sold all our possessions, we sold our home, we started this church, and without a salary for a year, and his hands were always full. My kids always had shoes, I always paid the rent, the fridge was always full, we did staycations, not vacations, but staycations, God blessed us. His hands were always full, always. There were seasons when I didn't have it, but there was never a season when he didn't have it. Never. Empty hands are not just what you need to be filled. What you need. No. Empty hands are what you need to be filled. Same sentence with two different emphases. That's what I need. No. This is the precursor of a miracle. When you look at your hands, this is not just your poverty. This is also your opportunity 
for God to do a miracle in your life. What about my family? Don't you ever worry about your family. Psalms 37, 25 to 26, God's got your family. Look at what the psalmist says. Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generously and their children are a blessing. God has got your family. Here's the next shift. Shift from hoarding what you lack to giving what you have. From hoarding what you lack to giving what you have. In the next verse, Matthew 14, 17 through 18, here we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Only five? Only five? You know what I love about Jesus? He will never ask you to. It's hard to give when you feel like you don't have. I get that feeling. I've been there. But here's what I love about Jesus. Lean in. He will never ask you to give something you don't have. He didn't say, give me a million dollars. He said, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. I don't really want to give it because I feel like it's small. Why do you think your gift is small? Why do you think your, your offering is small? Why do you think your time is small? It's not going to make a big difference. It's small. What? If I were to ask you what the largest living thing in the world was, the largest living thing, what would you say? Largest living thing. Shoot out. Shoot out. Whale. I got whale. A lot of whale. No, someone stop. Loud. Elephant, I heard. What was that last one over here? She said it. The largest living thing. Put it on the screen. Largest living thing in the world. You know, I promise you it'll show up in just a second. So big, it blew up the screen. Just put the picture of the largest living thing on the world. A giant sequoia tree. 350 feet tall. To give you some perspective, all y'all former New Yorkers, this is 50 feet taller than the Statue of Liberty. Show another picture. This is somebody actually climbing a giant sequoia tree. Huge, biggest thing in the world. I Googled, because you can Google anything. What does the seed of a sequoia tree look like? That right there. That big old thing came from one of the tiniest seeds in Mother Nature. This is a sequoia tree, y'all. I was messing around with Liz. I was like, we should plant this in our backyard. <laughs> Mess with the neighbors. <laughs> Look at that. Why? Because small seeds, even small seeds, in the right soil can produce big changes. When we, when we were going to move into this building, we needed to paint it. And because uh, it was all blue. How many people remember when the OLE was here and it was just all blue? And yeah, it was not flattering. And we wanted to paint it because we knew that when we would paint it, people would drive by and know that something was different because it wasn't blue no more. So we couldn't put a sign. They wouldn't allow us to the county. So we figured we paint it, we'll get attention. So we wanted to paint gray and black. We started to get quotes for painting it. And the quotes were coming in. The cheapest was 40 grand. What was the most expensive quote that we got? It was up to 60, maybe 70 grand to paint the entire building outside. I was like, well, I guess we ain't painting the building then. <laughs> well, hang a flag from the roof or something. Under new management, I don't know. <laughs> um, and we had given up. And then one day, my dad's leaving the, the building and somebody drives up. And this gentleman comes out the car. You can tell on his truck that he owns a painting company. And he says, hey, um, I want to paint the building. My dad thinks we're a painting company. He's trying to you know, put an offer in. My dad said, no, we ran some quotes. It's not something we can afford to do right now. He goes, no, you don't understand. My daughter started going to your church. God's really doing something special in her life. I want to paint the building for free. 
Won't he do it? And uh, he don't know this, but he, he painted the whole building for free. We paid, we covered the, the supplies, that's it. The whole building, he was hanging from the roof. It was crazy. And uh, thousands of people have walked into this building because it's looked different. And if you look at gifts on a scale as far as size, you think preaching's a big gift. Singing. Playing guitar, that's a big gift. You probably look at painting and you think, kids paint. I've seen animals paint. Painting is a small gift compared to a big gift. Ooh, you'd be so wrong. Over a thousand people gave their lives to Christ last year. Because if you put a small gift in the right soil, it could produce big change. Big change. Big change. Now, he would never, he don't really care, but that guy's painter's name, his, his name is Lewis. He's actually sitting right over there in this service right there. So we love you. His wife's on the worship team. I don't know what your gift is. I don't know how much time you have. I don't know what your talent is. But you put that in the right soil, you will change the world. Stop looking at it. It's just a no, 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 no. You put a little bit in Jesus' hands, what happens? Why? Because it's the right soil. I'm going to give you the last two real quick. You got to shift from broke to broken. Shift from broke to broken. If I were to ask you right now, how many people are broke? Don't do it. Don't do it. How many people are broke? I'm broke, Pastor. I'm broke. Broker than broke. Well, then make a shift from I'm broke to I'm broken. 14, 19, look what Jesus says. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Bless them and broke the loaves. I love that he didn't have what he had and he took it to Jesus and complained about it. He didn't go, Jesus, five loaves. He didn't go, Father, five loaves and two fish. Are you for real? Come on. This is what you give me to work with? Why? Because even though he was broke, he didn't consider himself broke. He thanked God for the little he had, blessed it, then broke it. When I say go from broke to broken, what I'm saying is go from I don't have, I don't have, I don't have to the realization that you are more blessed than you know. Some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life have been people in third world countries because they have the only three things you need in life. Family, enough. They don't have a big house. They got enough space. They don't have a ton of food. They got enough food. They don't have a whole bunch of transportation. They got enough ways to get places. Enough, and the last thing you need, Jesus. And they're so happy. Don't you ever say, you're broke if you got a roof over your head. Don't you ever say you're broke if you slept on a mattress last night. Don't you ever say you're broke if you got to car in your church on your own vehicle today. I'm not talking to pretend like you didn't wear the same pair of jeans three days in a row this week. We know you did. I'm just telling you to realize the fact that the legs that those jeans clothe work. You are not broke. Be broken by the generosity of God in your life and you will then be generous to other people. Well, I don't have anything. Mark 6, 38. Look what Jesus said to the disciples. Go look. Go look. 
you got more than you realize. Here's the last one. God come and do this one. It's the shift that he does in your life. Once you are generous, you will shift from an empty heart to a full life. The thing you're missing in your life, I'm telling you, I, I think it's generosity. I think it's the ability to live for others and be selfless. And when you make that shift, something changes on the inside. Verse 14, 20, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. 12 basketfuls. Somebody say full. Now, how many disciples were there? 12. So each disciple got a souvenir. This is Jesus' way of doing a miracle and throwing shade at the same time. I just want you to never forget that when you live a life giving others, you will be filled. My boys, I'm really proud of them. We, we, we teach this stuff we teach at home. So they have money that they get from birthdays, Christmas, and from their chores. And we take their money and, we, and I presented these principles and they've chosen to live their life by these financial principles. So their money gets broken down into three categories. They have an app that does it. Spending, saving, and tithing. So they take their money, they take 10% and they put it to the side. They give that to the Lord. Then I said, what do you want to do with the, with the rest of it? They said, well, I want to give 45 to savings and investments and 45 to spending. So now they got money invested in the stock market. They got money invested in investments. I'm so glad because they're actually, they don't know it, but they're paying for their own college. Thank you, Jesus. And they, and they spend 45%. Parents, this is a game changer because they'll stop asking you for things when they go to the store. So my kid goes to the checkout line. He goes, mommy, daddy, can I have that chocolate bar? I'll go, I don't know, can you? Let's check the app. How much money you got? $3, how much is that candy bar? Four fifty. because I can't, all right. They're learning the value of a dollar. So they saved all this money. And a couple years ago, we were about to get in this building. We needed $300,000 to renovate it. The kids had heard that we needed that money. At the same time, they had been saving over $300 to buy an Xbox One or whatever the one that it was that came out. And they were gonna buy it, but it was at the time when they were like really hard to get. They were like sold out everywhere. So we were waiting for the new ones to come out so that they can get it. And so they had all the money and we were waiting. And then they heard about the offering for getting in this building, $300,000 to renovate. And they came up to us. We didn't, I need you to know, we don't manipulate our children. We're not like, Jesus would want you. So we, don't, we don't do that with our kids. They came up to us. They said, Mom, Dad, we feel like we want to participate in the offering. I said, well, what do you want to give? They both said, all of it. I said, what about the Xbox? They said, we want to give it all. I was like, dang. So they, they gave it, all of it. In the offering, $300. And I love it because it's an example of what I preached about today. Look at it. You can see it break down in everything that they did. Number one, they, did, they shifted from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. When they gave that $300, you know what thought didn't cross their mind? There's not going to be food in the fridge tomorrow. That never crossed their mind because they separated their offering from their father's provision. Whew. They knew that they would not be able to outgive my love. They would always be food in the fridge. Why? Because they were looking at my hands and not their hands. They didn't undervalue what they had. They didn't go $300,000. I only got $300. That's not a big, that's not going to make a dent. No, they cared about the soil more than they did the seed. And they made that investment. They also went from broke to broken. What do you mean? The year before they gave that offering, Justice had just come back from a missions trip to Ethiopia. He knew what real poverty was. He saw it with his own eyes. He saw kids digging holes in the ground and calling that a toilet. He saw how he got water from a faucet and the rest of the kids his age got water from a river. He said, I'm too blessed to not give. This is yours, Lord. Give it back. And then the full life part, 
The full life part I needed God to do. I don't know if you're ever trying to raise godly children. Whenever you're trying to raise godly children and they do something godly, you're like, Lord, I don't mind if you take your time with me, but I really would appreciate it if you did the miracle in their life like today. Because I need you to like solidify this faith thing. Because you did it in my life, but they're so young. So do the miracle in their life like now. That's my prayer. I was like, Lord, I need you to come through. Because we talked about sowing and reaping and blessing it. So and I didn't want to be God, you know, like, I didn't want to like slip 500 under the pillow and be like, look what the Lord did, you know? I didn't want to <laughs> manipulate. I wanted to give God an opportunity. So they put the money in the offering, they give it away. The very next, the same day they give the offering, they get a message from their grandpa. Their grandpa, had, had, someone had called their grandfather and said, hey, I got an Xbox One. Do you know anybody who wants it? The same week they give the offering. My, my, my grandfather doesn't even know what an Xbox is. He has no idea that my kids had just given all their money up that they had been saving for over a year. He calls up my wife. Would these kids want one of these Xbox thingies? My wife tells him, you have no idea. Now, normally I would interject and be like, nah, there's something that they need to save for, but I could see God working. So I said, yeah, let's do it. They put their offering in the offering plate. When they put their offering, when they come out, I go, guys, craziest thing. <laughs> you remember how we talked about how you can never outgive God? Remember how we talked about sowing and reaping? Remember how we talked about God's faithfulness? Well, all that money that you just gave, that you were saving for your Xbox, Grandpa, and Grandpa brings out the Xbox. Guys, we did not plan this. We did not set this up. This was God trying to tell you at a young age, you will never outgive His faithfulness. You will never outgive His provision. You will never outgive His blessing. Ever. Now, I'm not saying that if you give, you're going to get a Lambo spontaneously showing up in your driveway talking about, wow, Lord. No. I'm not talking about full garages. I'm talking about full hearts. Your full hearts. It's on the other side of generosity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I need you to, to pray something with me, but I'm going to need you to do it courageously. So I'm going to phrase this prayer very carefully so that you can participate because I would love it if there were a lot of hands up but I don't want to I know that if I say it a certain way nobody will raise their hand so I'm going to just say this like this and if it's you you can relate if you're here today and you might maybe be a little stingy not you are stingy you just might maybe might maybe be a little bit stingy with every head bowed and every eye closed so we can give a moment of Private, the only one who needs to see this is God. I want to invite you all three to raise your hand to heaven and say, Lord, I might maybe be a little bit stingy, but I'm ready to be a whole lot of generosity. If that's you on three, I want you to raise your hand. I might maybe be a little stingy. One, two, three. Will you raise your hand? Thank you so much for the courage to be transparent and real and honest. I might maybe be a little bit stingy. Amen. You can put your hand down. If you raise your hand, I want you to just begin to tell the Lord right now, Lord, change my heart. Transform me change me Lord and I'm gonna pray for you while you pray for that God I thank you for everybody who raised their hand and had the courage to talk to you today and tell you and invite you in their life I, I pray that you would you would bless them I pray that you would challenge them I pray that each one of them praying right now would say to you Lord Lord if you bless me 
Lord, if you overflow in my life, I tell you now while I have nothing. I tell you now while I'm empty. I tell you now while I have very little. I tell you now while I feel broke, Lord, that if you bless, Lord, I promise you it's not going to end with me. Come on, somebody tell the Lord that. It's not going to end with me. If you give me overflow, I promise it will flow over into my neighbors. It will flow over into my community. It will flow over into the homeless population. It will flow over into my nieces and my nephews. It will flow over into my children. It will flow over into my church. It will flow over into the missions field. It will flow over. It will flow over. It will flow over. It will flow over. Work on their hearts, Lord God, and change their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. I got one more prayer. I got one more prayer. And I just want to highlight something that you might not have noticed. As a preacher, it would have been really easy for me after I preach on generosity to then be like, and now we're passing the buckets. Apply that generosity. I, I love giving to the Lord. But what I didn't want was for you to think I preached this message so that we could be blessed. So we withheld on that. And I just said, I, I want to preach this message, listen, so that you can be blessed. Generosity is not for me. God's got this church. It's for you and your children and your children's children. Embrace it. Live that way. I got one last prayer, so I'm going to invite you again just for a moment of privacy. If you're here in this room today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You want to talk about generosity? There is no one more generous than Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life for you. If you want to receive that gift today, and be generous as a result, but you want to receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness of your sins, the gift of relationship with Christ. On the count of three, would you raise your right hand so I can pray with you? You're ready to give your life to Jesus over at East, here, today, watching online. You can put it in the chat. One, two, all over this room if you're ready to come back home to Christ. One, two, three. Would you raise your right hand and you feel the generosity of Christ flooding your heart right now? I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. So proud of you. So happy and excited for you. I know there's hands over at East. I'm ready. Thank you for your generosity. Amen. You can put your hand down. If you raise your hand, but even if you didn't, we don't want those people to pray alone. Give me 30 seconds. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for what you gave. Forgiveness, love, life. You made me complete. So today, I return that gift with the gift of my love, the gift of my life. Make me complete. Forgive me for my past. Bless me in my future. You are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.